And you're very welcome to week nine of LOI Weekly. You'll always get us on SoundCloud and iTunes, hashtag LOI Weekly, and we're at Twitter, at LOI Weekly. And tonight's show is going to involve principally Kenny Cunningham. Uh, everyone, of course, familiar with Kenny from his days with Ireland and his TV punditry. And we're going to have Gary McCabe as well ahead of... Uh, Bray versus Rovers, which is an intriguing game at the Carlisle Grounds on Friday night. And we will discuss uh, the weekend's fixtures. So we're going to have a fairly packed show. i got to apologise for my sidekick, uh, Daniel McDonald, sounding a little bit like John Caulfield after a game today, Dan. Yeah, the voice is gone a mm. bit. It's, um, what happened? Oh, I was just like I was waiting. I was over in England for a few days, taking in a few games. And, I mean, I was waiting for a train in Burnley. Got soaked. There was no, there was no cover. There was nowhere you could stand. I mean, there was a little small shelter place, but there was like women and children in there. You couldn't really reasonably go in and barge them out not, of there. Not reasonably. No, I, even unreasonably, I felt it would have been uh, just an injudicious course of action. Waiting uh, for a train in Burnley sounds like that's a uh, as good as it album. gets. Yeah, I did a piece up there with Stephen Ward. Actually, uh, I suppose it's worth mentioning. Like he's having a fantastic season. Uh, we talk about other League of Ireland graduates. Actually, and uh, generally, you would think about you think about Wes, and you think about you know James McLean or Seamus Coleman, and um, you know Stephen Ward is someone who is uh, another success story. He's having probably arguably the best season of his career at Burnley. What age is he now? He's 31. Yeah. He's 31. And I mean, I remember covering Stephen a lot when he was at Bowes as a striker. Um, when like he started his career um, in Ireland at a time when Bowes were, were pretty poor. I think it was the Garrett Farley era around then. And it wasn't necessarily a great time to be at the club. And he was sort of one of the sort of few bright lights they had at that stage. Um, and he actually just left before... Uh, Fenland came in and they won the two leagues in sort of 07 away and um, he, he went away and, and over time he's evolved from someone who you know he was he had rough times even in the Ireland set up and a club set up with Wolves dropping down the leagues but he's come right back up again and good bloke first team yeah he's, he's always been a good fella and he's uh, he's played every game for Burnley this season bar one when he was injured and I, I actually haven't looked at the stats but in terms of other Irish players in the Premier League this year I'd say in terms of appearances, he must be must be right up there. Do you enjoy the trips <coughs> to England to do features like uh, that? Yeah, it was good. I, mean, I, I got to take in a couple of games as well. I went to watch Wolves in Brighton. Went to watch Aston Villa in Reading on Saturday as well. Um, and it's yeah, it's good. Just good to see a couple of matches and um, you know there was quite a few Irish players involved, particularly in the well. There was a couple involved in the Villa and Reading game. Obviously, injuries prevented a couple of others from from playing, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an element sometimes of seeing how the other half lives in terms of, say, you know, facilities and whatnot. But, like, that's, you know, that's neither here nor there, really. But, um, yeah, either way, my voice is gone. And that's the, uh, that's the sum total of it. Your voice is gone, but you're still here. And we had uh, some notable results last weekend. The nine-point gap now that Cork have established is, is what everyone is talking about. And the fact that... A lot of people can't see this actually uh, being eroded into now by Dundalk. Well, the striking thing is it's not just the nine-point gap from Cork back to Dundalk and Bray. It's like 15 points from Cork who are first to fourth place. I think it's 14 points now with Limerick uh, winning their game on Saturday, um, which would suggest that you know Cork are beating everybody. Um, but you would question like the depth of quality around the league in terms of teams actually being able to take points off them. Like If you're in a position now where say Dundalk's perspective, they're nine points behind. Okay, it's early days, we're not even a third of the way into the season. But you're sort of thinking from the Dundalk point of view now that they would have to be 
thinking about beating Cork and the two remaining fixtures they've got this year if they're going to really claw back some serious ground because this Cork machine at the moment again I spoke to people we had a couple of people tweeting us about the the game in Daily Mount on Friday that they weren't wowed by Bowes they weren't saying this was a fantastic performance but they weren't wowed by Cork rather they weren't wowed by Cork I apologize didn't look great in the highlights from well this I mean it was not the game but I'm just going on the even just the reports that Bowes apparently played quite well and it's a depleted Bowes side but really you know, Cork with 27 points at Got this stage. Got to talk about Shepherd's goal. Yeah, it was a stunning goal. We've actually been spoiled a bit for really good goals. Stevie O'Donnell's goal was a... Good was, team move, oh, yeah. But Shepherd, really um, Shepherd scored a couple of... Like, he's got a first-time effort in Drada. He took one from a corner, stuck it in. Um, he scored a couple of decent goals this year, not, not to mention the goals against Dundalk as well in the league game. And, and probably a player who... Uh, went to Cork looking to get a real run in the side probably hasn't got that and actually in that role he's playing now almost on the right side um, off Maguire has actually worked it's actually worked out pretty well but this is the thing though just back to your general point like, where are Cork going to drop all these points I know like I think there was a stat that they only won seven games uh, I think it was Paul Dollery 42. He put it up. they only won seven away games in total last year out of 16 they've won all five away games this year you know they are they are winning the kind of games. Not they particularly were, they impressive were, in many of those games. But they're winning and the winning game. The they're winning the games they would draw before. Yeah. And I think for a side point, like Dundalk and Bray, like Dundalk haven't necessarily had a disastrous start to the season. You know, they, they haven't. It hasn't been a catastrophe. But they're getting. You know, every time that they drop points, it's 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 looking grave for them in terms of their overall position. And I guess one of the the biggest talking points uh, of the season so far has been the reaction to. Uh, Kenny from Caulfield and also Caulfield um, well I mean, let's bring this back to last week this is where they started was a press release do you, do you believe Anthony about the penalty situation that uh, it's Kenny odd, but let's just explain to people who maybe you not be aware of it yeah. right, in, in passing briefly that Dundalk sent out an official press release last Wednesday um, from the official website um, from Stephen Kenny and it was specifically about it was, you know, this remarkable fact that it's the one-year anniversary of their last penalty in a league match. That was the sole purpose of the press release. I should just interrupt very briefly. Galway United had gone far, far longer without getting a penalty until Pat's last week, so yeah. it's not that unusual. Should have sent out the press like release. Something like 60 games. Should have sent out the press release. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Someone's asleep, asleep in the job there. Yeah. But um, he sent out a press release in which he made points, he referenced that Cork had got 13 penalties in the league in Why that Why did period. he do that? Why did he do that? Well, that is the question. Um, From your perspective, well, why did he do Stephen it? Well, Stephen is like, you know, I wouldn't claim that I know Stephen amazingly well, but, you know, I've, I've covered the league all the time he's been in it. And he doesn't say things lightly. He doesn't flip. I mean, the fact that he actually sat down and this was a release that, I mean, he would have had approval over the club sending this well, out. Well, it was pointed. It wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a discussion, say, I would say, with, like, with newspaper lads and it was sort of blown out of proportion in some way. This was like a, a statement that the club sent out to... Make a point, you could say, is it some kind of deflection away from how things are going? Is it to try and subtly influence referees and say, listen, our team are very honest. They're not going down for penalties. Um, have a look at us officials. Give us some slack here. Implied that Cork were, though. Implied that Cork were. Implied that Turner's Cross, um, there was some kind of Turner's Cross bias at play. The fact that Kieran Kilduff could have got a penalty for Dundalk in the game then there recently, certainly... 
um, was a big part of it. But it sort of inflamed tensions. There's no other way you can interpret that. It, 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 it's a little bit um, unnecessary, though, in the sense that these are two fine clubs. Does this need to happen, really, between Caulfield and Kenny? Well, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, people always use these terms, like mind games and this type of thing. And what was there some ploy here that's to try and... I don't know. Get people thinking that way, so that for the rest of the season or for the next couple of games, we we you know we we overanalyze and study any penalties that that go in a particular yeah. direction. Now, as it happened, then the dog <laughs> lose on Friday and give away two penalties. Give away two penalties. Questionable decisions. Um, Stephen Kenny is unhappy about that. John Caulfield comes out and says, um, you know, maybe the authorities should look at his comments. And then we had Monday where. Um, Stephen Kenny, after their EA Sports Cup went over UCD, which they won on penalties, as it would happen. I'm going to play uh, that now. Actually, yeah, he, well. his response then on Monday, which where he was speaking about, it was it was it was I think it was Gavin McLaughlin from the Dundalk Sport website is putting it to Stephen about the the John Caulfield's response, where where Caulfield had you know suggested that the authorities need to look at the comments that that Kenny had it made. It was initially. also described as a as a personal attack, and uh, Gavin's website is DundalkSport.ie, and I think. The little interaction here between Gavin and Stephen uh, is quite notable. John Caulfield said that the authorities should throw the book at you for your comments last week. What, what? For what comments specifically? Yeah. For, for the, the, if you to say what, for what, what did yes. they say wrong? But uh, he said, he oh, tell me well, no, I'm not, I'm not, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with him. I'm no, just, but what, what, what comment did they say? He said it was, he said, I think he said it was an, an astonishing attack on, on, the officials yeah, in the league. That's, yeah. I didn't attack them. I didn't criticise the officials yeah. in the league. It wasn't even critical. So was, I think that he's lashing a, a personal attack on me mm. is a is quite low. You know what I mean? That he wants to make the attacks personal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's uh, quite low. You know. I think he, as a fellow manager, you should never launch personal attacks like that. You know. So I think that's quite disappointing in that regard. Mm. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I referenced the fact that the players are manufacturing houses and referees need to be more vigilant mm. uh, to it. You know, um, and uh, essentially, that was it. That was the main point. Mm. Personal attack, low. Well, I mean, I, I spoke to uh, I spoke to people who were at the Bowes game on Friday, the Bowes Cork game on Friday, and spoke to Caulfield afterwards. And certainly, you know, they said he was more so relaxed when he said what he said. Okay, he did say. Of course, he's relaxed. They've won all their games. Yeah, exactly, that's true. It's a good point. Um, and he doesn't need to get involved. Okay, by saying the authorities should look at it, yeah, you can you can certainly interpret that as someone trying to, uh, you know look for some kind of punishment but I, I, I couldn't describe it as a personal attack in any way. Is there way. an element I, of I Keegan and odd. Ferguson about this? In what sense? Is there an element of like you know Stephen Kenny is Kevin Keegan here he he sounds a bit rattled to me and and obviously John Caulfield is like well I can do whatever I want here because we're nine points clear and my squad are doing everything right at the moment Dundalk on the pitch have not been doing everything right. Yeah it's just a, I don't know like as I said Stephen generally tends to think about the things that he comes out with you know he's not very defensive in that interview yeah but but, you know sometimes Stephen like Stephen does interviews after every game and they're not always put out on a broadcast format and sometimes his his method of sort of answering stuff you know the 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 pauses and the delivery you could you could interpret it as him being rattled on a regular basis when actually it's just tends to be the way that he 
he responds to stuff. And actually, when he when he does like a live radio or a live TV interview or something, he, he can be quite different. That chat there wasn't necessarily from a broadcast perspective, yeah. and you know we're playing it there, so that that should be that should be pointed out. But certainly, I I found it a, a bit of a strange aside over the last week. I mean, he's clearly trying to get a point out there, probably more than anything, trying to get the point out to the officials, really, as much as anything, I think. Um, and it's a ploy in some way, but um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, you know, there is a certain interesting aspect to it. I can understand as well why people from outside might be looking. Putting the this is yeah, why you know, why you talk about the football and like why not talk, you know why are you talking about this debate? But I just think the fact that that it was the fact that it was the Dundalk statement originally that started this. It wasn't like you know a, a, a bit blue. of a press conference be taken and, and made a big deal out of like they he did. Set the they incited it initially yeah. and and really it's going to keep coming up again and it's sort of created a, a narrative that will will spin across the rest of the season. Then we'll discuss Kenny with uh, the other Kenny, Kenny Cunningham, because they had um, a bit of interaction last year over the Europa League games, and uh, we'll see what Kenny thinks about uh, you know a, a very very um, I suppose pivotal manager in the league in recent years but just some of the other games as well Sligo lost to Shamrock Rovers um, but with 10 men crazy attack by John Russell doesn't really merit much analysis um, Galway United we, we got a late draw against Pats um, could could turn out to be a little turning point in our season I guess the main one though is Jerry, who lost to Galway in the EA Sports Cup since and now they've lost all their games since they lost Ryan McBride having won all their games with him in yeah. the and and the loss to Harps at home, which even looking at the highlights, didn't seem to be um, a false result. No, I mean it does look like they've missed a lot of chances in in the games, and um, you know, the, like the McBride factor is obviously huge, and it's it's sad how it's, everything has panned out there. They're also missing Patterson as well. It must be said McNamee. in terms of some of the chances that they they missed against Bray and also against Harps. Um, you know, I think it was a big event for Harps. Their record against Derry in recent years hadn't been great. And, I mean, they're a bit of a revelation, really, for a team that, um, you know, I mean, Ollie Horgan would tell you himself that they're probably going to be relegated, you know, as part of his sort of, you know, his his own way of, of keeping expectations down. But they're actually up around the top half of the table, yeah, I think, Yeah, I think they three victories already. Yeah, so, so they're, they're doing pretty well. But, yeah, the Derry side forward, of things, yeah. it's, uh, it is sliding away from them. And... You know any any aspirations of Derry challenging? I think seem to be gone. Seem to be gone really at this point. It must uh, be said. And um, Harps, though, I mean, they they from from the high of that um, to the fact they got three players hospitalised in the year. That Sports sounded Cup fairly grotesque. Actually, on Monday a clash of heads with two players, and also, I mean, the, the guys that clashed heads, Doherty and Maley, like they seem going to be out for a while. But the the real sort of unfortunate one is B J Banda who. Scored, scored that famous goal in the playoff last the year before last. Sure. Um, I think he was still in Derry. school. I think he didn't necessarily push on last year because he's so young. Scored against Derry and you think, right, he's got a chance of kicking on and delivering his potential. And now he's he seems to have sustained a serious ligament damage that, that could rule him out for, for some time. Yeah, best of luck to the Harps uh, injured trio as well. And um, must give Ollie Horgan a mention for bringing in uh, Paddy McCourt, just the, the games he's having and how pivotal he is in certain moments and setting up good chances. And also Limerick beat Drogheda 3 0. And we should mention there was a crowd of around 2,000 in Watford for their victory over Athlone. I watched the YouTube highlights and it looked like Watford were taking on some 
kind of exotic 11 from, you know, <laughs> Portugal or something. But nevertheless, that well, actually... That's because they probably are, to be that fair. That actually was at Lone. Uh, um, the Waterford, they're, called, so when they're, they're going well. When you consider last year, Waterford were doing appeals to come out and save our club and no one was, would come to the games. And it looked like the apathy there had was in danger of driving the club out of business and, and you know, it was disappearing. But this rebrand to Waterford FC and the new ownership... Um, it seems like the public around is responding to it in some way and yeah, they're getting crowds that some Premier Division clubs are quite like, I think. Welcome to Kenny Cunningham. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw gross in the conversation there, lads. I just totally zoned out. So Kenny's, uh, Kenny's, <laughs> See, Kenny was <laughs> looking at you there like... Uh, See, well, the thing is, we were going to have... I was looking at you, Dan, think he's ever going to stop talking. Yeah. No, I'm not buying this sore throat. He hasn't literally stopped for breath the last <laughs> 15 minutes. We were going we to cut off, but I just we're thought it was a natural... There was uh, going to be some pause, but and we're going to pretend that like Kenny had just come in. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kenny, you're very welcome. But See, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man. You've got 10 minutes. He's, that's it. I'm going to photo shoot down in insomnia. So he's been here the whole time. So Kenny, actually, you're, you are yeah. a big fan of your coffee by all accounts. And nights out, you're apt to ask for oh, coffee. Nights at out, all what's hours? a night out? What's a night out these yeah. days? Oh, reputation goes before me. No, <laughs> not, not so much the nights out. Yeah, coffee. Well, you can't walk 50 yards on the high street uh, walking into a uh, coffee shop. So, now I went one of your colleagues out uh, downstairs. It was a bit early for the uh, for the interviews. I generally do, being a, the professional that I am, and uh, literally you. bumped into a. Uh, <laughs> Owen here on the street crept up behind him. Actually, attempted to actually. Uh, well, an assault. I don't know if he quite call it an assault, but uh, yeah, he was a little bit upset with me. So you also uh, pointed out that my fly was open, <laughs> and, uh, and subsequently, Dan, he admitted there was a moral dilemma there because he doesn't really know me. It's, it is not. At all. Yeah, How do no, you actually yeah. handle that situation? With yeah. ten, ten years ago, I would I would have kept quiet, but uh, yeah, no, as you get old, a little bit wiser. I thought no. In that situation, apart from a little bit of initial embarrassment on Johnny's behalf, <laughs> I think he was quite grateful for the No, I was. I was very grateful. I, I'm not easily Yeah, two nice young ladies behind the counter. the last thing they needed to be saying, <laughs> like when he went up to order his, his own particular brand That's of coffee. It's debatable, actually, but nevertheless, um, it's good I to have I don't you think on. it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> it's good to have you in studio, it's anyway. Good to have you. It's yeah, the, it's good to be here. Actually, you were listening to Stephen Kenny there. I know you necessarily haven't seen a huge amount of games this year, but... Kenny, well, v, Kenny meets Kenny. Kenny well, meets Kenny. Yeah. That was a good feature last year. But, but I did, did you ever have a manager your career or any sort of sense where you know there was a feeling that referees are I, I, I hesitate to use the phrase out to get us but they're not giving us a fair crack at a whip across a period of time because he's clearly angry you yeah know? I, you, without a doubt you, you, there are times when you don't get a fair crack at a whip but I've never felt as if uh, a team was being kind of targeted by any kind of uh, unofficial or anything like that I take Stephen's point and I think if he feels that strongly about it, he's entitled to come out and air it I'm just disappointed somehow it's kind of manifested itself into a bit of a uh, personal fallout between the two managers. It's, it's a very big childish sounding, isn't it? Uh, I would like to say that. No, I wouldn't even say that because I think that's belittling the managers to call it childish. So I think Stephen has a kind of fair point, but of course it comes out and he, he's, he's entitled to come out and mention it. I think that's, that's absolutely right. But I think once he references Cork as well, then of course John's entitled to step up and make a statement on behalf of himself and his football club. And that's obviously now... Yeah, obviously he mentioned Sean McGuire got mentioned as well. So yeah, yeah. You, you, so it's a big shame because I'm a big fan of both uh, uh, men, Stephen in particular. We can't throw enough plaudits to Stephen in terms of how he's managed that team over the past couple of years. But John as well. John's to a certain extent, has been in the shadow for the past couple of years. But I give him great credit for picking that team up, Corp, and keep going year after year, trying to rebuild, trying to improve in all aspects of the team. In the smallest detail, I'd imagine, in terms of personnel recruitment, that's an obvious thing. But I'm sure he's looked at everything in terms of how they train, what they're doing in their training, and how they prepare for games. He's been looking at everything, trying to gain an extra edge and trying to close that gap between Cork and Dundalk. And at the moment, they seem to have done that. So I give him great credit for that, him and his players, to keep going, to keep that kind of mental resolve to think, well, no, next year, 
that put that disappointment behind us. We're going to go again next year. is going to be our year. That seems to be kind of the mentality around Cork at this moment. So a huge amount of credit uh, to the manager and his players for that. Is it even harder for Dundalk in the sense that they just have to win it again and Cork have something to aim at every year? It's like so much hunger that we want to get one over Dundalk. We beat them in the cup final. And of course, Dan as well, they really turned around the head-to-head record uh, last year yeah, yeah and beat them in the cup is it harder for Dundalk with their new players coming in they lost Boyle and Horgan they're trying to reinvent themselves and they're struggling at the moment oh it's hugely difficult to keep uh, replicate those kind of performances that kind of success year in year out it's the hardest thing to do I was never in that position at club level where I was, I was mixing in those type of circles competing for championships time and, and, and time again so yeah like I said I have a huge amount of admiration for Stephen and his players in terms of the consistency of performance over the past couple of years I'm talking about uh, Cork putting that uh, baggage behind them in terms of missing out on league titles and going again but the ability to actually park away your trophies your championship winning medal put it in the cupboard and say, right, forget about that. That's not important. All that's important is ahead of us and going and repeating it and replicating it year in, year going forward. I mean, that's, that's, that's an amazing mindset as well. And again, Stephen takes credit for that, for embedding that kind of mindset amongst his players. And Johnny, you talk about oh, they've been losing players and moving the same again this year. I think this year is a little bit different. Remember Richie Tell last year, people spoke about 35 goals. How are they going to uh, replace that? But at the end of the day, it was one player. The whole dynamic of the team didn't change. Other players stepped up in terms of goals. Uh, Dave McMill, Daryl Horgan which I felt was always maybe a small weakness in his game. I was always a huge fan of him in terms of his energy, his dynamism, uh, quality, uh, delivery into the box, every aspect of his game. Apart from his goals, you just felt this, he needs to find more goals. Daryl, he's too good of a player. And he did that yeah. his last season at Dundalk. So again, that negated the influence of uh, Richard Tell to an extent. But this year, you could almost say, read it, the kind of heart. Maybe not the heart's too strong a word, but the spine of the team, like Andy Boyle, you know, Ronan Finn, and of course, Daryl coming out of that team. That's huge. Now, to expect to say to Stephen, well, just go out, just go and grab two or three players and off you go again. It's not as easy as that. Um, unbelievably, he's been doing it every year. But for, for this year, this year more so than any, I think it's going to be the, the hardest. And I think huge responsibility, the likes of Patrick McLenny, maybe people like that. But even still, I think it's a huge ask. And the only surprise is, for me, it's actually taken this long for Dundalk to have this kind of blip because it's been amazing the, the run of consistency they've been on in terms of results and performance it's been absolutely phenomenal i've just surprised it's taken this long but it's almost they wouldn't be human they wouldn't be human if they didn't have this kind of maybe little downturn or a kind of little blip but i don't see that that kind of point disparity staying there for too long i know you've mentioned our oh, league who's going to take points off but it's a long season of football teaches you that. But the season goes on, pressure will build a little bit in Cork. Those expectations which have been on the shoulders of Dundalk the past couple of years, suddenly we'll now, Cork, yeah. Yeah. without a doubt, how do they deal with that? You're talking about, Dan, the quality of the other teams. Well, I think there's more to come from the other teams. I'd expect Ro- Rovers under Stephen Bradley to get better as the season goes on. You've spoken about Derry again. I think there's more to come uh, from them as the, as the season goes on. And likewise, maybe one or two other teams as well, St. Pat's included. So, you know, I still think by the end of the season it'll still be all to play for going into those last two three games of the season and what's your own relationship with the league of ireland when i guess you obviously you had your long career and then um after you retired when did you sort of start maybe taking more notes of what was going on in ireland uh, if you even explain like your family situation now because you're still actually living what uh, <laughs> i mean, if i uh, I'm bring my wife into this I met <laughs> no you, chance i met you, you i just met <laughs> i met you once before and you were on the process of buying a house in london i think and that was about four years ago so that's right What's maybe way back to the big smoke that's right jamie wife's from the london area so yeah i've been kind of have a have boots will travel a little bit prior to that. i've been up to birmingham and finished up in 
Sunderland, went back to Birmingham for a period of time, but decided to make uh, put down some roots in London, which what, which is what we did a couple of years ago. And you retired 10 years now or so? Yeah, it's 10 years, yeah, just really? thinking of that, yeah, not too long ago, yeah, 10 years, goes quick, good riddance as they say, rightly so. But um, yeah, but I've always, back to your original question, I've always followed the league from afar, I've kind of, I don't want to say I'm a big supporter of the league. That implies, like, you know, I've got me Rattler and I had my old bow scarf on and rigid, religiously I was there week in, week out. You know what I mean? I wasn't that type of support, although I, I was born within stone's throw of Daily Mount Park and I would go up there, cut through the basin, up into past the old state cinema house. Anybody knows Fisbert? <laughs> I made me went to Daily Mount. And I do remember into getting into Daily Mount, not necessarily paying money to get over the stores in Daily Mount, but actually getting in there by hook or by crook and, and just walking into that, um, the stand opposite the dugout, the big terrace in there, and standing on that terrace and sun being out and just thinking, this was, wow, this stadium. Schoolland, like, is, is that the opposite the main yeah, stand? Opposite, yeah, yeah, opposite the main stand. Conic yeah. Street side is the Conic yeah, Street yeah. side. Sorry, yeah. But that used to blow me away. Look at it. It was like almost a cathedral, that, uh, that stadium. It really was. It was magnificent. And it was a shame, really, because I think it was last year I went up to a game, I rambled up to a game, it was but the Bows Shamrock Rovers game up there. It was a bit of trouble during the course oh, of the game. It was the last the year. Season, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, really, that. But um, yeah, but just walking into the stadium, walked into the main stand, the opposite, and look, looked across. I don't know what I expected. I've been there a couple of years previously, but I walked in, I had those little pictures in my head, like I just spoke to you about, and I was a bit smaller. Oh, and it was a real come down. It was a real kind of, not a heartbreaking moment, but just seeing how the, the whole stadium, it kind of looks very kind of decrepit looking. And, it, you know, it needed, it, clearly it needs a big lift there, like, you know what I mean, in terms of money it poured in, so to really br bring it back up to where, for me, it should be, like, you know. So looking around the stadium, I really felt as if it was a little bit of a, yeah, 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 it was a bit but of a downer. how do you feel about the redevelopment that is coming? It's, I mean, it, yeah. uh, sort of touch wood at all, comes off but there is sort of you speak to people I think we had Shane Supple on this show the bows keeper a while back and he, he sort of doesn't want it to change he's almost nostalgic for the the old sort of rustic quality of the history of the place I mean if it's changed oh. it's going to be it's going to be new when it sounds about it you're going to lose maybe that image when you walk in that you might have but are you yeah. sentimental that way or do you think progress uh, uh, to a point look if you're picking it up and parking a 10 mile up the road yeah absolutely but if you're building on the the original site i mean uh, you know you have to give to a certain extent yeah. you know what i mean it's gonna not gonna be the exact same experience when you went there as a kid to kind of dailyman park i understand that but the fact i think it's just still on the same site you know what i mean i think that kind of counts for a lot well it would for me anyway so i think it's good money's been invested into the football club the facilities are going to improve we've seen what's happening at Rovers not just at Atala but obviously in turn the training complex that they have how looking they're looking to progress and it'd be great in an ideal world we all had a magic wand if we could repeat that process around the country your, your club itself like Galway everywhere like Limerick uh, Cork I mean Cork went down to Cork to start last season they played went down for a game they played Bowes I think it was the opening game of the season Sean McGuire actually got a couple of goals on the day and it was great I hadn't been into Cork it would have been could have been 25 years since I've been really? in Cork. In Cork? Um, oh, unbelievable. In any context, no, yeah. No, in fact, the last time I was there was with the, <laughs> we were playing for the Ireland under 21s. We played England. I didn't get too many caps playing for the 21s. Three or four caps on my God. It wasn't the best of experience back then, to be honest, with you playing for the under-8 setups, under-21s. Why so? Uh, I don't know. I d from what I can remember, I, I think nowadays, a lot in terms of how the, the sides are looked after, a lot more kind of professional. But you used to travel with the senior team there and you, were you managed by like the senior assistant, would that Yeah, mean? I think possibly Morris Setters was, yeah. uh, was around then, like, yeah. But I just, yeah, I, I found it a bit difficult, the experience. It was a big step up for me, to be honest, particularly that game in Cork, because we played England. Played England under the 21s. I remember the, te <laughs> the team sheet coming in, sitting in the uh, dressing room there and looked at the England team and... Uh, 
oh, who's this left wing? Lee Sharp. Oh, is that Lee Sharp name? Sounds familiar. Well, I certainly knew who, who he was after the game because he Were you right back? He right back and he ran me, he ran me ragged. He ran me into the ground. It was embarrassing. I was never as down coming off a pitch in my life thinking, I'm not too sure I'm actually in the right... Really? You're actually... Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought... It's, Where were you club-wise so far at the off time, the pace. I would have been just over a Millwall. Millwall. I would have just signed over a Millwall. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. Certainly didn't have a night out in Cork after that game. I <laughs> 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 got both of myself into my hotel, my hotel room. Wouldn't come out. But that was it. And I flew in for the, uh, for the Bowes Cork game. Got in early. Had a ramble around the city. Great, went down to the, the stadium that evening, good atmosphere in there. Pitch wasn't the best, like, wasn't actually the greatest of games. Sean McGuire, first opportunity I had to have a look at Sean up front, I was interested to see because he was at Dundalk, he'd actually come He'd from, been at Dundalk yeah. and, and had a pretty unhappy time, but he's been, he's been completely galvanized by going to yeah, court. Yeah, I liked what I saw. I mean, apart from his two goals, just the first couple of minutes, a little bit of movement from him, I know it was just off the shoulder of the defenders, just timing of his runs, didn't get in, but I thought that's. That's good movement. That's clever movement. Like he looks like they might have a player here. He got two great goals, and obviously he's he's taken off from there. He's yeah. been a, been a great signer for them. Like you know, but yeah, but but Cork. I think all Cork have always been. They've had their problems. I know Tommy brought them back up, didn't he? And yeah. John's coming there and really brought it on, and it's it's fantastic, fantastic club, great city. But that that's what I'm talking about. Kind of if we could replicate replicate that fund, that, Across, those kind uh, of monies and resources exactly for every uh, club around the country. And, and, and what really do you bring make of the league in general? Well, I, I love the, when I think of the league, people say, What do you think of the league? I, I don't think of like, Oh, that stand's falling down here, there, or, or there. I, I just think of the football and I think of the players. And I've always enjoyed that. And, and I enjoy the league. And that's why I enjoy it because of the quality of players that we have, particularly young talent. I, the young talent here in Ireland for me, I always home in on. And I think that's what gives us uh, the edge. I don't think, I think we underestimate in terms of the quality of young talent that we have. Um, throughout the country, to be honest with you, not all of it gets funneled into the, into the League of Ireland. We see lads jump. 15, 16, 17, yeah. we don't even know about them, you know, the vast majority, they'll come back and they'll disappear, the, the names won't even be mentioned, and that's a crying shame, I think that's a reason why in terms of, if we can get the structure right at underage level throughout the country, League of Ireland in particular, everybody's going to play their park, school by football, if we can get that right and get a hold of these players and get them into the systems and get good coaching and get, just get them in the right football environment and tap into that a little bit more, we have done already, you've mentioned already a couple of players who have gone abroad and excelled and we probably even haven't touched upon the lads playing the championship the division one division two level that there's we don't even yeah I mean Conor Hurahan like uh, Aston Villa now people talk about the last six months who was talking about him two years ago nobody he was a, he's a captain of uh, uh, Bradford City and there's plenty more uh, uh, dotted around the leagues a huge amount that quota of talent like it's, it's phenomenal we should be really proud of it and I'd like to see us tap into it a little bit more keep hold of it maybe a little bit longer maybe young kids uh, down the years have thought maybe there isn't a future for me here oh League of Ireland McFaley really. made that point as well Dan on Soccer Republic where he was saying you know when he was a kid the only thought process was how do I get out of here yeah, yeah I, I still think there's going to be an element of that to a point. Uh, you, you'll never you stop know, that. Yeah, that. That's always going to be, when you have that across the water yeah. and you have the opportunity, and as I said, like you know, you go across England and you get brought to a ground, and of course people are going to be wowed by that, but I think it's, it's that rump of players, it's that sort of, it's the, if, okay, the top 10, 20% might always go early, but it's, it's actually how you sort of treat the next 50, 60% and actually try and develop them so that they improve and deliver on it. Because I think it's interesting what Kenny says about, we always talk about the exports and the, the as I said, I said it earlier, you know, Coleman and, and sort of Wes and the higher profile ones. But if you do look across the league, 
you know, League One, League Two, like Paddy Madden is doing really well this David year. David Ford promoted there as well. Uh, Jay O'Shea scoring for Sheffield. I saw Jay O'Shea scoring for Sheffield United there at the weekend. He got a move, I think it was from Chesterfield, and he's gone up to League One. And there's a, there's a lot there that maybe not necessarily getting the limelight. I think what the newspapers, I don't know if it's in Ireland here in England, they, they do, they, they list all the Irish players of a weekend who played over in England on that weekend in all of the leagues. And it's phenomenal, the yeah. amount of players. It really is. So I take your point then in terms of that 10, 20% who know they're good enough clubs in England, know they're going to we'll have you, yeah, job done. You're not going to stop that. But that's still a huge amount who are left over. And for them to give them a pathway, some of them players were thinking to jump with their parents, thinking 16, 17, an offer comes along from a Div 1, Division 2, thinking, oh, he's got a it's not really any other options well hold on there is another option because yeah. Shamrock Rovers Galway Cork are down the road they've got a great youth system down there under 15s under 17s you know training facilities are excellent got some great coaches down there that's a great environment your son's going to get better there he's only a mile and a half from the road from his ma's house so there's not going to be big wrench pulling away from yeah. the family unit which people underestimate how big a wrench that can be uh, did you, for did young you kids. find that uh, at some point I often make and I, I imagine it, it must be really difficult like for a young kid to go over yeah but it, w- w- it it means, what do you mean by young? I was 18, I don't mean leaving over, I went over 18, probably reasonably young, but six, 15, 16 and 18, Johnny, is huge, absolutely huge in terms of maturity, your emotional level. It, it's chalk and cheese, it really is. So even that, you know, even 18, 19, for me, mentally, psychologically, in a far better position. Why were you that bit later? It, it just happened that way? Uh, well, it just happened that way that nobody was interested <laughs> in taking me over. <laughs> I was looking at your figures, actually, staggering stuff. What, like, what were you actually doing all your career? Because Millwall, what do we have here, right? And I don't know where you're going with this, Johnny. <laughs> this is great, right? I'm bolted up right so in the chair t- now. He's not looking, looking at the goal stat. It's all serious face. Millwall, 136 appearances, one goal. You never, never scored again that was that's incorrect that's incorrect it is way. incorrect is it uh, uh, it's actually in factually did, did you incorrect. score between 1994 stat man, i want to have already a stat man after <laughs> this show wikipedia did you score <laughs> between 1994 and 2007 at all it's a good question years. you can't that's just drop them at me you can't just drop them questions irish, at me 72 irish caps even the b game you didn't <laughs> score for Paul Burnby. <laughs> i reckon what were you actually, did you i reckon i had listen <laughs> I, whatever, however many games i played for ireland i i can remember one chance i'd one chance in all that time uh, and dora and Dora away, we played at Barcelona's uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. reserve the, the, the stadium. The second stadium, yeah, yeah. Second stadium, yeah. What happened, Kenny? But cr- uh, cross into the box, free kick. The only, obviously, the only obvious opportunity for me to get up the pitch. Gen- obviously, not in general play for obvious reasons. But yeah, even free kicks, very unusual for me to go up. Early in my career, not time I'd, I'd drop off. I was playing centre half. You know, generally speaking, you got to get your centre half. So I was no great size, no grey head of the ball in terms what of attacking the ball. What height were you actually when? Yeah, went no. then as opposed to now. Like, <laughs> probably, probably minus the shrinkage. Minus the shrinkage. Probably lost an inch. Yeah. What, were you, what height did you at your... Uh, I'd say it was about, again, I was six foot, give or take. Were you six foot? Give or take around six foot, yeah. He's looking sceptical, actually, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of 5'11". Uh, yeah. I'm no one lumpa I'm no one lumpa It's still a reasonable size. 250 games for Wimbledon who would have been known as a kind of a team that would have had a lot of aerial prowess and you'd never scored not one No, goal. but certainly booked the trends in terms of aerial prowess, yeah, yeah. That's why they didn't need me to have aerial prowess. We had so, I had so many around me, so that was the case there. I, I wanted to ask you as well because uh, I you didn't let me finish my story about the Andorra game. You jumped no, in. Oh, yeah, yeah, go back yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah. Go back to he it. just comes in. Cross it? into yeah. the box. We talk about that bit of movement. Sean McGuire off the shoulder. Clever bit of movement. That's exactly it. Replicated that. Got across <laughs> me, man. It was a side foot. Ball was coming onto me in step. I reckon six yards out. Any type of contact on the ball, it's a goal. Just totally missed it. 
Just to- totally fluffed it. <laughs> what what was the score at the time, actually? That was it. So basically, that was it. Was but did you... We won 2 nil. I presume you... I mean, I, I do remember you playing not particularly well now, but you must have gone up Not particularly corners. well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember you what, particularly you're well. you're not out for every single game. Did you go up for phrase. corners much at all? No. because You really uh, didn't, actually. No, I really didn't. And there was a, I remember once playing for... Uh, there was a point during my career, I never went up for a corner ever again. We were playing Arsenal up at uh, Birmingham. Uh, I was back playing centre half at that stage, and we were chasing the game. Well, let's say chasing the game, one nil, maybe time running out. And uh, oh god, I'm going up. The hell with, it, I'm going up. It's like a goalkeeper. Borrowed <laughs> 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 the goalkeeper's gloves. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, just thought I'd cause mayhem inside the penalty box. But of course, ball was headed out. They counter attack. Bear camp uh, put the ball in the net. And I remember that feeling running back down the pitch. You know, the wrong side of the ball. And I, I remember being so infuriated, thinking. What am I doing up here? I should have no reason to be ahead of the ball. Because any time I got in advance of the ball, as a general rule, I always felt uncomfortable on, on a football pitch. I was always more comfortable five yards behind it. Felt a bit, mo- bit more secure. I was, uh, clearly, that was where my strengths were, kind of defensive mindset. Anywhere ahead of the ball where I had to turn and face my own goal, kind of forget it. So I remember distinctly that particular game, uh, after the game finished, saying, well, that's, I'll, I'll never go up again for a corner. Because I, I always felt I needed to be behind the ball in terms of, Read if I had any, yeah, if I had any kind of strength, it was probably that, Johnny, like you said, maybe reading the game, anticipating danger, or maybe tracking runs, even giving that information to other people. And generally, I needed to do that from a slightly deeper position. So that was it. That was the final time when I, when I thought, listen, you're kidding yourself. Just, and just hang, hang around the back. Dan, did you watch the Crazy Gang documentary? I think it was ESPN. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Did, did um, you see it, Kenny? No. no, I didn't actually. No, no, no. Well, I wouldn't. We we would have been techno would have been crazy, crazy. Sli- yeah. slightly at the, the crazy the, light, crazy light. The, we would have been. Light. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> um, John Scales, John Fashion, who Dave Besant featured in it, and a lot of the coaches, an amazing documentary actually. But you would have obviously come in maybe well, at very much the tail end of that in '94 from Millwall, according to Wikipedia again. That's what right, was Wimbledon yeah. like? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I must admit, I really enjoyed it. It was the tail end, like you said, Fashion under Kinnear. Yeah, Joe was there. Yeah, Sam, my man. Yeah, Joe would have bought me. Uh, Teddy Borton was there as coach. Yeah, right. I remember when I signed in the office, I put pen to paper. Sam phoned up John Fashion. He said, oh, I'm going to phone Fash. You want, I'll let him see. You, want to, you want to speak to Fash? He just left, possibly just left the football club. So he put me on to John Fashion. It was a very strange conversation with him. What was the down conversation? The phone. Well, <laughs> I can't remember. I, mean, I didn't know the fellow from, uh, from Adam's. <laughs> did, you, did you even wonder why he was being uh, put well, on the phone fa- to you? Well, well Fash, he was associated. He was, with him, like you said, you think of the crazy gang, you think of kind of John Fashion. Gladiators. Yeah. Jo- yeah, exactly. Like, you know, but That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say, there was a bit of mayhem there at the club, at the club, but it was kind of organised mayhem, and they were very clever because it was a small club with a very tiny uh, fan base. But you'd never know that in terms of the column inches that the club got on the back of papers, it was absolutely phenomenal. We had a probably higher profile than most of the teams above us, and that wasn't coincidence. And I give the the, the owner Sam Amand a lot of credit for that. He kind of bought into it. He recognised the well, this kind of different approach of ours. It kind of plays well with the media, so. Not too sure he almost encouraged it, but we borderline did in terms of some of the behaviour around the place would have been borderline at times. Don't get me wrong, we trained hard and we prepared well. And What ta- sort of behaviour? Uh, nah, it was kind of a mad stuff. Like People <laughs> people come in, park their cars, they come back after training, their cars would be missing, they'd be, they'd be parked out, whatever, you know, five miles up the road, like in the hard show, the M25 or, or, or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Silly stuff. You know, the clothes would have got... Born in, I remember going to my first game thinking, putting a jacket on, they said, which jacket am I going to wear? So 
clearly was the cheapest jacket was going to be worn because <laughs> that was that was cut up pretty bog standard stuff but there would have been other stuff around it and Matt so Sam would have come down and with his suit on and train and knowing the, the media was there on a Friday and he'd come out and he'd get into goal and he'd say to the land saying to Dean Holzer five five hundred pounds if you score three penalties against he put the money down and Dino and the cameras would be all over and this type of thing so it was it was organized chaos really like but yeah. it was very clever because like i said the club was in the spotlight there was always a story in and around the football club and of course when he eventually sold it on sam i think he did some norwegian businessman it was he kind of he made a few quid out of it you know so he was a, he was a shrewd investor but it was a good club to be around i, I really enjoyed it was re- i would say i was a quiet lad when i went there but i kind of very quickly when i when i got there i I remember having that discussion with myself, not generally one of them has conversations <laughs> with myself, but I remember thinking to myself, I've, I've got to take one or two approaches. So I can kind of maybe withdraw to myself a little bit and kind of detach myself from what's going uh, on around me within the dressing room because some big characters in the dressing room or I can kind of, I can really jump in there kind of swinging. You know, it was kind of a sink or swim situation. So That's exactly what Fashion said in the documentary, sink or swim. Oh, really? For yeah. anyone who came yeah. to the club. I wasn't and, and John Scales, who you probably played centre back with at some point or another, did you? No, no, that's quite, was, oh, that's 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 poor again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's just if he just arrived in five minutes before the show, he, he, he would have left. You know what I mean, Dan? He would have. Oh, oh God! When he, when he starts, misinformation, that fake news, Wikipedia. fake news all over the place here, <laughs> isn't it? Is John, John Scales <laughs> and uh, John oh, Scales would have been gone to Liverpool. He would have gone around ninety-four, ninety-five. He had about hundred and fifty games at Liverpool at that stage. No, no, no. He would have left around ninety-five. No, you're right. He just gone. He wasn't there that year. Probably similar to fashion. John Scales and Terry Feeling in the documentary, they came across as the two who were most kind of obsessed and really hurt by the behaviour of Fashionu and those guys. How did you find like the likes of Vinnie Jones? And Well, Vinnie, yeah, Vinnie was there. Vinnie had come back. I don't know he was there at that stage. He came back to the football club. Now it was okay because at that stage, really, I'd kind of opened up a little bit. I thought, oh, let's get stuck in here or whatever. So I could pretty much... Yeah, I could take it. I could, it was a I could give it. Almost. Yeah, it was a little bit. Maybe tapping into a little bit in terms of your character that was that was already there, like you know. So, but um, yeah, but I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed getting stuck in there. You know, good characters within, outgoing personality, everyone an opinion, that type of thing, and all the shenanigans going on. So I, I really enjoyed it. Dynamic was good, and we had some reasonable success as well on the, on the football inside. And, I, and it was a very well-run club, even up in the offices was people. David Barnard was up there. He's been at Chelsea now for quite a day, poached him some years ago. Very well-run football club as well, even in terms of a couple of the contracts which I signed. I, mean, I never went knocking on Manchester looking for a contract, but I noticed that Wimbledon, any time I kind of took a step up, whether it was coming into the team and playing 20, 30 games initially, even when a bit of international recognition came along, it was always the case again, Dave wants to see you upstairs. Look, we think you've done well. There's an extra contract there, another year, an extra few quid in. Very good like that as well, you know, so very well run uh, behind the scenes. And the football, yeah, you might say a oh, bog standard stuff, but a uh, crash bang wallop, but there was a method to it, like, you know what Did I mean? Did that it's inhibit you, though, because you, you obviously didn't play the ball over no, the back? No, suit me down to the ground, like. <laughs> <laughs> Shelling the ball back but to front over four of the air. had 50 oh, goals in your Made career, a career out, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they bought the right player to the club, don't worry about it. Now, you're right, actually. I actually couldn't kick the ball through the airs in my early career. But I obviously, got, Kinnear, I got the muscle you, definition in my legs. Career, Kenny, was that, was that around the time that the Dublin Dons thing was being spoken yeah, about? Yeah, I thought, thought I was heading back to Dublin. I was looking at property around the hotel. I thought I was going to live like a yeah, life of Riley, but no, it didn't happen. But I think there was some genuine people thought it's a big smoke screen. Oh, yeah, talk, talk. But remember speaking to Joe about it uh, some years after, and he felt that it could possibly happen. At the time, it was like people thinking, oh, it's ridiculous. But in terms of how the game's moved on since then, become such a global brand that people talk about maybe Premiership games being taken to other cities yeah. and maybe different things like that. It's not like, you know what I mean? You look back at now and you think, you know what? 
maybe wouldn't would have been the worst idea in the world in terms of the market over here, in terms of football club, a Premiership club located in in Dublin, in terms of support that could have could have drawn like you know. So in yeah, in theory, like yeah, absolutely, obviously it didn't pan out that way. But but Joe was like I. Uh, I enjoyed working under Joe. Um, I don't think he got enough credit from the tactical side of the game. Like I said, people thought, oh, smash it up there, second balls, off we go, like Calvary charge. But it wasn't. I mean, we played to our strengths. We didn't overcomplicate the game. It's, it's interesting, like the modern game now, to a certain extent, up, up until maybe quite recently, everybody's looking to play a certain way, a certain brand of football. You almost feel as if teams are obligated to play. You know, well, let's play from the back, centre-half split, full-backs, plenty of rotation midfield. Let's play through the towards. This is football. This is the right way to play. I was interested when people, people say, I was trying to play the right way. At least they're trying to play the right way. Ne- never quite understand what that means, to be honest with you. I think that's what it means when people are talking about. But I think, well, yeah, if you've got players with certain ability, game intelligence, tech, high level of technical ability, yeah, maybe you can play that way. But that's not the case with most teams so why would you play a brand of football that doesn't particularly complement the players you have at your disposal that doesn't make sense to me never and has and you had no money as well I mean you, you had to work on such a little budget compared to some of those clubs in the league yeah it was yeah they stressed a little bit at the end I remember obviously I do a bit of work with big John Harrison now I'll never forget about he bankrupt the football club he spent 8 million on him giving away in a free a couple of years <laughs> a couple of years after <laughs> that you're listening in John yeah yeah no I told him we ought to take a wage cut just how he could arrive at the football club pay a sign and on fee but no we didn't they, they, bought, they bought wisely Voila. <laughs> <laughs> what did it, what did you cost actually? <laughs> I didn't it was never I actually went in a it was a me and, me and John Goodman actually came from the uh, Millwall Goodman, together. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We came with kind of a package deal. <laughs> I don't think the fee was ever put out there, thank God. It's probably about twenty grand between us. Who was the best player you played with? Oh. In 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 for Wimbledon for argument's sake. Dean Holdsworth? I never to be honest with you, Johnny, I, as a rule, I, I never I never I never take people. I don't like singling uh, uh, people out in terms of. Be- it depends how you what you mean by the best player. I know it's. I mean, very difficult for me to compare like a centre forward and a centre. Who's the best player between the best centre forward you played against? Who did you and, enjoy and the best centre half? I'm not going to make this easy for you. Clearly, like <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't take a sense. Who did you who enjoy playing against? Somebody who made me look good. Who made me job easy. Yeah, yeah. You I generally. As a centre-half, I went back into centre-half. I went over as a full-back. Physically, I wasn't strong to play centre-half. I was just like literally getting bounced all over the place. It's a knockout st- <laughs> type stuff. So I had to go to full-back just to get, get a few gains on the belt. Eventually, went back into centre-half. That's when I was kind of most comfortable. I kind of understood the position more and had that kind of defensive mindset in terms of reading the game, like you suggested, Johnny. So physically, I was a little bit better shaped then. So second half of my career, I played centre-half. But I always enjoyed playing with a bigger, more dominant, physically dominant centre-half because I wasn't going to out-jump and out-muscle too many centre forwards, particularly in the Premiership League, there's a real physical edge to the game, particularly that high end of the pitch. So I always enjoyed playing up against somebody who had that kind of physical edge, and maybe I could just play off them a little bit, almost in a little kind of second, second centre half type sweeper type role. Mm. That kind of suited me, letting the other fella go and engage the ball, and me Are kind you of just name dropping off him. I'll tell you, I'm not going to name John Scales because you're never <laughs> the football club when I got there. Who was your partner actually for in the centre back uh, era? Ireland. You're going to go. You're going to bring it over to the. No. Oh, the, sorry. I thought you were going to actually. Who is? Who's He's obsessed oh. with your Wimbledon. Oh, where were, yeah. I, I was a great. big Premier League man at the time. Yeah, and I was kind of half forgotten. I hated. No interest in Birmingham of any kind. Absolutely hated the Wimbledon to Dublin idea. By the way, but um, who was your Parker centre back at Wimbledon. I'm trying to think. You know, the big lad. You wouldn't. Uh, um, big Andy Pierce came from Sheffield Wednesday when he was absolutely man mountain of a fella. Alan Rees, Scott Fitzgerald played there for a while. Funny enough, I mentioned about size. I played a f- uh, while alongside lad Chris Perry. He actually got yeah, he got yeah. sold and went to look like Chris a rat kind of. Yeah, <laughs> we called him the rash. We called him the the rash. I mean, he was he was the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. Probably five foot ten. You know, more fat in a chip, ridiculous. The gym, yeah. wouldn't even know where the gym was at the, the training ground, but absolute natural defender, great competitor. 
you know, read things, get around the pitch. Brilliant, like, so in a funny way, I'm saying about in terms of, uh, you know, physical specimen who I wanted to play alongside, he was, he was fantastic, like, you know, and playing, moving on to the Orly thing, I was very lucky at Orly because I played it with five, six, seven uh, centre-halves and I was very lucky, whether it was Gary Brain, uh, Richard Dunn, uh, Andy O'Brien, remember Andy O'Brien, all of these players, great to play, because good, pl- at that level, you know what I mean, there's not a bad player on the pitch, it's as simple as that, and playing that kind of Kobe, these players made it, made it easy for me, I generally played left of the two when I, when I played for Orly, because I was, reasonably comfortable on my left hand side generally the lads and who wants to play in the right the, la- <laughs> the lads who grab the jays you'll be on the on the left hand side but and yeah, 72 caps is if if that figure is correct uh, is no mean feat <laughs> yeah well thank you from your take with a pinch of salt johnny <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you but you r- must be very proud goes. of that to be fair like yeah of course i am yeah i am i am i don't try and i don't try and dwell on it yeah, i am proud of it i'm a little bit embarrassed by it in some ways i mean you look at the role call of Irish internationals you look at the like kind of caps why would you Roy be Keane. Ah, well, look, you look like likes of Caps, Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin, probably less than me, and even go back forward and that's some of our all-time great. So I take with a pitch of salt a little bit. Don't get me wrong. In terms of the amount of Caps that you get, absolutely, you take a huge amount of pride in it. But I, I get a little bit of perspective on it for the reasons that I've, I've, I've mentioned to you. And I see kind of uh, some, uh, some players like, you know what I mean? I remember, the, remember looking at Beckham at England when he was kind of really his, his playing career was over, his international career was over, but he wouldn't let it go. Kept coming back. I want another cap, another cap. Cam your rolls off the bench. Come on and take a corner. Oh, Peter Shilton's record, Bobby Moore's. He wanted, you know, really kind of hanging around, lingering. And, and all, all, all it became about him. It wasn't about England. It wasn't about the, the bigger picture. What was the best for the internationals? It was about David Beckham, what was best for him. So that type of mentality, I understand as kind of, you set yourself personal goals. And you want to do your best and attain and reach as much as you can. But when it comes to your club, particularly I found at an international level, you had to put all of that behind you to the side in terms of that kind of, you know, those kind of personal goals. Because really it was too important. What was at stake for the team and the ripple effect of that, what the effect that had around the country and your family, friends, and what it meant to everybody in the country. It, it was too important. So for me, it was literally about just th- trying to make a contribution the best that I could. And I had to give the best that I could because anything less, I was, I was really a luxury. I was a passenger. I wasn't good enough. So my focus really was in terms of really getting the best out of I could every particular, any time I put the Ireland jersey on. And I was lucky. I was fortunate. Just a couple of managers had confidence to put me on the pitches often uh, as they did. But I am a little bit conscious of the fact, 72 caps, yeah, great. But I don't, I, for me, it's all about the impact, the contribution that you make during those periods. And, and as much as as much pride as I get, and there are a lot of good memories there from playing with Ireland, and some the some of the biggest moments have been in an Ireland jersey. I'd have to say as well, some of the biggest the biggest disappointments, the biggest scars I have are from when I wore that jersey as well. So I don't generally try and stray on the ground for those reasons, to be honest, because I really don't I I don't like going back there. But as a general point, Johnny, yeah, I mean it. It was great. There were special times, and I was absolutely privileged to have played in that kind of environment with those players. Just we we should move on. We did uh, we did get some. We did put out the uh, the missive to the Twitter masses to try and get a couple <laughs> of questions towards Kenny, uh, and we did get a couple. Actually, I'm just curious about this one. There was a long for massive long for town. Kenny, do you remember Dave Savage? Was yeah. he at Millwall around the same time? Yeah, as you? he was. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the great Longford players, according to Martin Stapleton. But he he said he was there in '94 when mixed Millwall came to Longford. You wouldn't have so. I played with Dave at Millwall. Yeah, yeah. and Dave's another one of those players. I suppose never quite reached the 
the heights in terms of top premiership clubs in terms of profile but still done very well and had a and had a, a great career yeah yeah i knew dave well yeah lovely lad another one that's sort of topical this week what was it like to i mean your memories of colin healy i guess who's announced his retirement we should say i mean he's had a, a sort of a varied career probably a league of ireland legend in a cork context but obviously in his earlier career you know, he was just unlucky yeah. at yeah, times, wasn't career. he? Yeah, great career. Yeah, you say varied career, but in relation to what most people achieve, I think people f- forget in terms of percentage of people who play football and have aspiration and ambition to go and play at a higher level, the ones who actually do that and get 10, 20 games at the elite level over in England, let alone, I don't know how many Colin got. And like you said, obviously made a huge impact when he came back at League of Ireland level. So it's a great career. Like a Colin Healy, I think that's an absolutely phenomenal uh, career. And I think even, I, like I haven't been around, I haven't been around Carl clearly, obviously I mentioned Tom, I, I was away, but you can sense in terms of the impact he's made at the football club, not just in terms of games and minutes on the pitch, but just in terms of his personality around the football club. I'm sure probably uh, John, if he went on record, would, would say like how much of an influence he's made that he's been. Yeah, yeah. He has done, is he? Yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if he hasn't. That type of personality, particularly somebody like a so such close association with the football club, I'll be very surprised going forward if John doesn't kind of utilise that in some capacity and not even Cork even even further beyond that Colin might have aspirations beyond that like you know but those type of people I'd love to, love to see him st- stay in the game we're talking about League of Ireland how to improve but that, that's actually brings me straight to this question and it's from Andy Wilson attracting homegrown stars to finish their career in the League of Ireland would be a huge boost to the league discuss and was it ever a plausible uh, kind of finishing point for you to come back home um, and also do you see it now as more of an option because maybe the standard is better or there are just more people doing it yeah it, w- it probably was an option I finished at Sunderland I f- that was it I'd had enough really to be honest with you I'd, I wasn't playing at the level I'd want I- Obviously, I needed to be. I was. I was happy with him. That was under Mick, was it? No, it wasn't actually Roy. Was that? Was Roy, was Roy there, came right. in. It was the year we went up actually, so it was great. The, the team went up. Did you was, play much? Uh, I didn't. I played. A, I played. A, played at the start. I picked up a bad knee injury. Funny, probably the worst in my career. It kept me out for about four months. But I didn't get back into the team. Uh, the team was flying by that stage. I got back in maybe about February around that kind of time of the season. And uh, Roy brought a few players. The lads were flying. To be honest with you, it was, I wasn't needed. So it was great. It was great. The, the team went up and. And that, that was it really for me, to be honest. I wasn't happy really with even how I was playing, even before the injury. Just, you know, physically, your, your physical levels drop. You can't get around the pitch, your mobility, and you have to compromise. I found that tough, to be honest with you. So maybe I could have played on for a year or two. But anyway, that was it. I'd had enough. But in terms of the league over here, I mean, obviously, I've, I never played in the league and I haven't coached there. I managed, obviously, but... I mean, I, people have said, would you be interested in this and that and the other? And it's always been no, to be honest, probably more for a personal reason. Obviously, my family settled over in, in England, the young as well, and school and those kind of things. So up until this point, although I'd never say never, up until this point, probably isn't an option for me. But I'd certainly just put that all to the side. It'd be a great environment to get in, you know, even if he's your next player coming back. But as a coach, a young coach, to get into this kind of environment, for me, is great. For the reasons that I've said to you, in terms of the talent pool that I think is out there, particularly young players, I've always loved a bit of coaching that I've done. I've always loved uh, interacting with uh, younger players, like in terms of developing them and improving them. Every player, to be honest with you, but young players in particular, I think you get a lot back from them, like a lot more open-minded. You can tap into a lot more. So, yeah, so for me, from, say, Colin's point of view, Colin Healy, if he's got ambitions, aspirations to go from a coaching point of view, great, great to see these type of players coming onto the coaching ladder in Ireland. How do we improve things? For, for me, fundamentally, a huge thing for me is quality of coaching. Have the best facilities, this, that, great stand, first team pitch, artificial, it's all fantastic. Not getting the right quality coaching to the lads, the whole thing fall, falls down. Yeah, is that a point even when you come to European games, say in the summer, that we, we, invariably the Irish clubs will come up against teams with better resources, with 
better facilities once you maybe get to a certain stage. But do you think with sort of a, a really good sort of coaching mentality in a dressing room, you can overcome some of those yeah, I think you're right. that you might have. Yeah, you know? I think it is a challenge, the tactical element to when you play on the international. So I found that when I went to international football, they, Ooh, this, is, oh, this is a little bit different. I'm going to have to modify my game, fine-tune things a little bit. The type of movement that I was spotting from opposition players as in the Premier it was all different. So yeah, you have to change your game, modify your game, like I said. And t- your tactical approach to an extent, that's what I thought was so impressive uh, about them. Dark last year, and we followed them closely in the Europa with Aaron. It was, was great, but it wasn't just... Wasn't the fact he went into the last game? It was still something to play. It wasn't kind of crash bang wall of football hanging in there, you know, shots peppering their goal. You know this type of yeah. Yeah, which we've all been involved in. You come out with a draw at the end of your patting yourself in the back, but from a defensive point of view, deep down you know, well, actually it wasn't that great. They could have scored eight on another day. That's not hugely satisfying. What is satisfying is when you put yourself up against one of the better teams that's kind of Zenit, even AK to a certain extent, as Stephen would have done from a coaching perspective, a management perspective, right, how am I going to set my team up? How am I going to nullify their threat but at the same time offer a threat ourselves and create opportunities potentially score goals? And I thought he'd done that great on dog because the, the quality of their football, not that they dominate possession of football for the 90 minutes, but they almost played every type again. They got on the front foot, they got into the opposition, had to commit players forward. They dropped into a deeper defensive shape, nice compact shape, they offered a threat on the counter-attack, so we saw a bit of everything from Dundalk, from a tactical point of view so that was great, so in answer to your question Dan, yeah, so we looked at Dundalk last year I thought that was great, so that bit of challenge facing potentially maybe Cork, maybe Rovers over the next couple of years, if they make, make the step up, and you'd be looking to John Caulfield, as, as um, Stephen has done with Dundalk and excelled, can John do the same, like in terms of like, as players, you look to your manager are you going to set us up, Gaffer? What same same as always usual, or yeah? Because that could that can that drain belief from a dressing room if the manager comes in and says we're we're just going to put ten behind the ball here. We're going to sort of you know park the bus as the saying goes, and it seems to be you're going in with an inferior mindset to a game that you can't beat these. Yeah, so. well, I think so. As a player, I was always for me the best managers really were the best coaches. I was always looking for a coach, and some managers don't like the coach they. Uh, delegate responsibility to the first team coach so as long as he's kind of efficient he's switched on that's absolutely fine but for me the, the best managers are the ones that are kind of the best coaches they have a good eye for the game you know they they, they recognise opposition's weaknesses strengths yours etc they put a tactical formula put a template on the pitch put it on the train the pitch clearly work at it no point in getting the last to get a day before the big European game right lads are going to change this. we're going to trade the back tomorrow yeah. yeah off you go best of luck that, that, that's not good enough and that's when I think players you get a bit deflated you know you're that's not good enough we need to be better prepared on this I think players are more demanding nowadays the old days where it'll be alright on the Saturday do what you want during the week lads as long as you're at it on the Saturday happy yeah that, that'll do for us Gaffer yeah we're singing off the same song so that doesn't happen anymore certainly towards the tail end of my career players were demanding more in terms of the quality of training they were doing why are we doing this why are we doing that type of running does it, is it, does it replicate with the type of running we're doing during the course of the game everything like you know what I mean becoming demanding more from the managers and coaches which I think is a good thing so you're right I think the tactical side I think for me I needed I wanted that kind of information from a manager what do you expect of me from the team collectively in and out possession and that gave me confidence going on to the pitch now and we're ready I know what's coming at me in the first 10-15 minutes from this team I know the kind of positions the kind of runs that they're going to make and we get the ball back I know how we're going to work the ball up the pitch whether it's kind of small 
uh, intricate passing or a little bit more of a direct approach, whatever it is, there's just clear pictures in your head about how you're going to uh, take on the game. And so that was important for me. And there's another tweet from Jay Fallon. How is he getting on with the Ireland under-19s? And uh, I just wanted to know myself, actually, what, are you, what have you been up to? Uh, obviously, you do a lot of media work as well. Yeah, no, it's really good. That's because I've, I've been with the team for the year. That's, that's finished now, but I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you're talking about the young talent. And I would say to people, like, and you hear a little bit, uh, you hear it in general circles, and you hear that even actually on the telly. You know, you hear people talk about the senior international team. Well, the players aren't there. The young talent just isn't there. What can we do? You know, I can't pull rabbits out of hats. And I, I, I'd urge kind of, uh, the public not to buy into that so much. I mean, it's fair to make those kind of comments, but if you make a comment like that, you better be out looking at, you better be out looking at the 21s and 19s and under-17s team. You go and watch those teams on a regular basis. And if you, yeah, and it, at the end of that period, you, you conclude with the opinion that, look, the talent's not there, well, that's fair enough. But don't just throw like, scattergun opinions out there. Oh, the quality's sure. not there. Just, well, where, where's all the, the talent drain going to? Because believe me, it's there. I've been working with the under-19s uh, this year and there's some real talent there's some real talent in that team I think back when I was that age I couldn't even couldn't even hold a candle to the, the game some of these players well. so I think there's a couple of League of Ireland lads in that team and Michael, yeah. Michael O'Connor Rovers is even Michael involved. yeah Sean, Sean Boyd is in at some stage yeah. Trevor Trevor Clark has done uh, great for yeah, us Connor Kane yeah. had it. I'd even mentioned even going down a little bit I, I read it just reading the paper there this morning and uh, Willie Bowling down at Limerick uh, was talking about the the AA sports game uh, a couple of days ago. He gave a few of the young lads a run out. And he mentioned Barry Carter in particular. Barry was uh, uh, with us quite recently for a period of time See in the, the squad. Name, the Neymar lookalike, is he? Yeah, yeah, raw. Don't get me wrong. Lads, raw. But what a great attitude. What a great attitude and real kind of raw ability that the, that the kid has. And it's great to be... Uh, great to be around that, you know what I mean? It hasn't been involved when looking at him in terms of force team. It hasn't been involved too much. He's got his opportunity the other night, uh, stood up very well by all accounts reading uh, the reports. So yeah, that, that type of talent, within that, that's within the structure already, League of Ireland. Uh, predominantly the most of the lads are over in the UK. Most of them are kind of obviously born, born, reared and all over Ireland, of course. I'm not going to name names again, like I said. I don't want to bring any undue uh, pressure on the players, but even from the goalkeeper, Across the defensive view in the midfield and up front. I'm telling you now, real, real talent in that And team. He, he speaks so uh, passionately as well. And I, I, my last question before you go, do you like the Apri match uh, caricature of you? Are you aware of it at all? Oh, no, I'm not too much aware of it. You know, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of yeah, home from home, as, it's the, as pretty they say. Good. I get it. I get a little bit of crazy when I'm over. Somebody got to watch a bit of this. You got to watch a little bit of that. I don't. I, look, I don't watch myself the, at the best of times. I'm probably more likely to watch something like that. I mean, I, I do, obviously, I have got a sense of humour, believe it or not. On <laughs> thanks, well, thanks a million for coming on. Um, I, I, I just found your, I suppose, your passion and enthusiasm was quite uh, endearing, Dan. And uh, yeah, sure. Hopefully, we might get you back in again at some stage. Yeah, Maybe, you know, keep putting it. those cows, Chris, on the table yeah. every chance, <laughs> yeah. every chance. <laughs> little Russell there. He loves his crisps. He loves his crisps. And that was Kenny Cunningham. And now we're on to uh, what is going to be a big fixture list of games again. Uh, I think, Dan, the most intriguing game of the week is at the Carlisle Grounds between Bray and Shamrock Rovers. And we're joined by none other than the top scorer in the league, which is not Sean Maguire. It's actually Gary McCabe, uh, who obviously joined from Rovers um, before the start of the season. How are you getting on, Gary? Grand, not too bad. I must ask you initially, was all the controversy about the game in Oriel merited or did you actually deserve to win the game and got two penalties that were warranted? I know, we deserve to win the game out and out. Like, I know uh, Dundalk had a lot of possession, and, but that, that's their game. Like, we, we let them play their game, but 
we had a we had a stronger game plan and it came out and worked in the end for us. Yeah, and this time last week, uh, I told Dan that Bray had a good chance of getting something at Oriel and he thought I was a lunatic. <laughs> so what, I'd seen you against Go United and I thought you were very well organised. But considering the players you were missing, it was a hell of a result. Yeah, it was. Like we, I know we were missing the captain, Connor. He was missing and um, the likes of Anthony Flood as well didn't start the game either. Like, but we have that's that's the that's the thing with this year. We have strength in numbers now. We when players are out, there's there's obviously one or two there to step in to fill their boots. Like, and you see it there against them. Doc, it wasn't say a full strength team, but we got the result. Gary, did you set yourself a goals target at the start of the season? And are you ahead of expectations? If if you did at this point, yeah, I think I'm well ahead of expectations at the minute. Like normally, my game is coming up with assists. I'd be like to think of myself as a bit of a playmaker in the hole. So. I'm uh, I'm chipping in with more goals than I thought this year, and it's it's working out great for me now. And the assists have 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 came along as well. I haven't gotten up credit for assists as well yet, but hopefully that will come sooner or later. Jeez, yeah, yeah. He's he's he's. I mean, he's top scorer. What more does he want? Yeah, a bit more, a bit more praise. <laughs> How are you enjoying just the, the the fresh start? I guess, um, Gary. You know, you'd been at Rovers for such a long time, and obviously there's been a lot of changes at Bray a lot of players arrived and once maybe last winter but how, how have you enjoyed the transition to a, a new club? Oh, it's been great Like I've, I think I, I was saying that to a couple of the lads like, I think I, it was well needed change that I needed this year six years of Rovers like, it was it got, got a bit flat for me towards the end getting played out of position and stuff like that so getting brought into a new team great bunch of lads who, I've, who I know throughout the years and like it's, it's just been working out great for us so far and I couldn't be happier. And is this game extra special? Um, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm wrong. It is, of course, it's going to be extra special for me against um, ours. Like, I have great memories with the club and um, so, but I'm, I'm going to be the enemy now this time on Friday so I'm going to be looking to score another one or two and hopefully get the result. How good is Dylan Connolly? Aye, Dylan's very good. His speed is frightening. Like, like, I didn't believe the hype that was around him last year. But coming training with him now this year and seeing him in games, like he, he's a specialist. The speed alone is just something special that I haven't seen in a long time in the league, and it's it's great to have him part of your team. And just having been at the Go United game, I think this crowd is about four hundred and seventy-seven, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on at the club in terms of its relationship with the town. But surely, you know, you, you merit having a right good crowd with Rovers visiting and how well you're doing in the league. Yeah, exactly. Like I know, whenever Rovers come to town, like it's it's always going to be a massive crowd. But normally, Rovers have the bigger side if if we're at home. But like you see where we are in the league at the minute. Like I do a bit of work down in Braytown, and it is there is a buzz about the town. So hopefully, we can get a few more fans down there, and we can have a bit more support than the Rovers fans will this this time around. What's achievable this season, Gary? I mean, I know I think it was Brian Gardner might have said last week that he reckoned Bray could could challenge for the title. I mean, is is that something that is doable with with this group of players that you have? Come uh, yeah, it is doable, but that's not our goal at the minute. Our goal at the minute is to stay pushing for Europe. Like further on down the line, when you come to the third round of games, if we're there, thereabouts, then we'll kick on and probably start thinking about winning the league. But we're happy where we are at the minute. We're right where we want to be, second, third, maybe even fourth position. We want, we, like we're happy and just staying, staying with the group and kicking off for Europe. European is massive for us this year, and that that's our goal for the season. I mean, is this a significant game? Because I guess if you want to get into to Europe. I mean, Rovers is a team you might have to finish ahead of, I guess. You know, they are another sort of contender in that race, you would think. Yeah, look, they're like, the likes of themselves. Like, if we beat them this year, this could kill off their season a little bit. 
like I know it'll probably be they'd be they're a bit out of the toilet race as it is at the minute. So maybe another loss to us will probably knock them down a peg or two and hopefully I'll send another message throughout the league that we're there for Europe and by pushing the overs back down the table. Uh, just the last question for you, Gary. What's uh, Harry Kenny like? He just he comes across quite um laid back type of character, but his re- his performance and results of Bray have been amazing really since he joined. Uh, Harry Harry's a great man. Like I met I first time meeting him was in the in the off season last year. And um, I couldn't believe how down to earth he was. Like he's not, um, he's not one of these strict managers. He's he lets you have the crack. He lets the lads like have the fun and training, and it's it's, it's great. But when it comes down to business, like we know our game plan and we know what way we're going to do it, and it's it's it worked for us. And I'm I'm delighted for Harry because um, for such a nice man, he's. He deserves where he is today. It certainly worked for you anyway. And best of luck on Friday and then the rest of the season as well, Gary. Cheers, lad. Thanks, Gary. No problem, lad. The betting for this game was interesting, Dan, because the bookies didn't know who to make favourites, actually. And it, it, it is a tricky one to call Bray and Rovers, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think that was a statement from Bray last week um, to win that game. When you consider that they conceded so many goals, I mean, I spoke to Harry Kenny up in Derry, and I mean, Harry was a defender with the Rovers, great Rovers team in the 80s, and loved clean sheets. And this sort of Bray Harlem Globetrotter style stuff was like killing it. him a bit, really, yeah. I think. Um, and it's noticeable that they've tightened things up a small bit. Um, since then, and I think even getting the, the what they kept the clean sheet the week before, wasn't it? Against, against, against Galway, yeah. I think that was big for them. Um, and virtually so, ha- gave away no chance. So, uh, I mean, a huge win for Rovers last week, but you mentioned earlier the sending off sort of adds a sort of an element of Meh. what's the what, what how do we analyze that now? They did follow it up by beating Bowes in the, the League Cup, and that couple of wins they got Luke Byrne back in the pitch as well, should be mentioned after a year out. Um, so I, I, maybe that could just give Rovers that bit of confidence because I would say as as much as there's been that bit of crisis around Rovers, maybe it's a strong word, you know, maybe in some of the coverage of Rovers, um, like they've played better than anyone against Cork this year. It's just that some other games maybe where they they haven't closed things out from positions where they should young management team and, and a young team maybe there's an respects. element maybe there's an element to that and um, I just Bray are a savvy enough bunch of players, you know, there's not too many kids in that Bray side, so. I, I thought they were very, very well organised against us. Clancy at the back, uh, Sullivan in midfield, just the real solidity to the well, team. Well, they, yeah, but they are, but there's other games where they've given up loads of chances. Like, I mean, there, there could be I analysis. I think they're getting there. Well, yeah, maybe. but there could be analysis you could do of certain games. Like, Derry cut them open, you know, again and again. Like, okay, I'm going off the game I saw, you're going off the game you saw in a way, and this is the, mm. this is the thing. That's the problem. But um, The game uh, most local to here, Pats and Cork. I, I actually fancy that Pats could get something out of this game, but I could be very badly wrong. How do you call it? Yeah, I think it's hard to sort of trust Pats still. You know, that they, even just that late concession of the penalty last week against Galway, they're in a position where you close out the game and a sort of a crazy tackle from Craig. Even It's very rare you see a penalty being given and all the other players walk away and not even bother protesting. They're not sort a red of card. beaten down. So um, I... I I don't know. Uh, this Cork team is just flying away. I, I find it hard to make the argument whereby you see how Pats on form cause Cork problems. If 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 Pats click, if Pats, you know, they're just a couple of the better players. I mean, Fagan hasn't been available. And, and I mean, at the start of the season, Conan Byrne wasn't even in the side. He's come back into it. They're still trying to find their best side. And I've, I see what you're saying, but it's more of a hunch. 
that Pats might well, stop them as opposed to yeah. where's the where's the football argument here that, that well, uh, Pats Kirk weren't, Kirk weren't great against Bowes just looking at the highlights and I think the thing for Pats here is that their midfield has to step up to the plate because Cork's midfield has been so um, prominent in their season and uh, I mean for Craig to give away that tackle uh, it, it, it's definitely one of the weaker points of their, of their team but they've some young players like Lunny and O'Hanlon yeah. who could click um, Dundalk versus Bowes, I think 14 to 1 about Bowes. Oh, that's a huge price. Is it? I have to say that is a big price. I mean, it's a huge, it's just a huge price for any team to be. It, just in the, in the context that there's a bit of pressure on Dundalk in the context of what's gone on in the last week. Even the UCD game, they got it done, but it was still after a penalty shootout. Um, and Bowes played well against Cork. Bowes seem to have played well a lot in recent weeks and just haven't. Uh, I guess with the injuries they have, the fact they don't really have an out and out striker fit. Okay, how do you see them score? You probably see them dog scoring in the game. Okay, the dog probably should win, but I, I, that discrepancy in price there is. Um I don't know if I, I'm not sure if I'd be lumping on them, Doc. I assume yeah, they're like four heavy. to one on, yeah. yeah uh, Limerick versus Galway United. Uh, I think it's going to be quite an interesting game. I think we got a bit of a boost from beating Derry in the uh, League Cup, and obviously uh, Limerick have you know they've lost a couple of games at home. Uh, would you like to call that? Yeah, Limerick. I mean, they're doing pretty well. I thought. Oh, Benny looked really good against. Yeah, I wondered uh, if they would struggle a bit against Toronto last week, and they bashed them, scored early because there was a suggestion they were going to tighten things up a bit. But then they go out and score twice. Uh, I, I don't. I'd like to see Galway get a result. I don't want them to get cut adrift there. But as I said, we've said it every bloody week. Great, great. You know, character come back last week for a point. You know, you need to I think we've lost one where in the, six. Where are the wins the coming from? Spin-off. Yeah, where are the wins coming and from? And Harps first draw the lastly on the Friday games uh, and, and then Sligo into Derry on the Saturday night game. Yeah, um, Harps. Yeah, like, I, I mean, Harps have done very well. And Harps have very well and draw them were very poor last week. You know, you, you certainly would think um, once Harps have been too upset by those injuries that they've had, they, they could view that as a game where they can take three points. Um, and Sligo Derry. I just it's hard to be confident about Derry at the moment. They Do you know anything about the Sligo management situation? Well, you no. Wrote, the, you wrote about Stephen Reid kind of turning it down. Yeah, they've they've made inquiries. I think about Keith Andrews, about Stephen Reid, and and um, a couple of others, and and it just hasn't. Sligo always seems to be like uh, we're looking at we're looking at they're far. looking outside the box. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, going after Reid is you'd say it's pretty ambitious. If he needs a coach with Reading, he's pretty big part of the staff there, and they're they're trying to knock on the Premier League door, but. Um, I mean, they, they want to keep that full-time squad and, and they like to bring in the manager from outside. But there comes a point where, again, um, you know, you need points on board and you try and find some tried and trusted just to get you through this season and then see what happens after that. Yeah, and the next few weeks we're going to look into the first division at a bit more depth. But just to give you the fixtures for this week, Athlone Town versus Wexford, Cabin Teeley versus Watford, Shells against UCD in another Dublin derby, and Cove against Longford Town, who finally seem to be uh, slightly getting their uh, season together. You enjoyed having Kenny in, Johnny, I'm guessing? Ah, uh, yeah, he's just a good lad, to be fair to him. And he, he can just see his uh, drips from his body, his love of the game. and He's very humble as well. Yeah, no, he's, he's enthusiastic. I mean, he's very enthusiastic about the, the young Love talent. saying the football club. The football club yeah. at this particular moment in time. See, if we're going to edit the show down, we'll just get rid of football club and turn it into club, and that'll be about like two minutes. Cut it out could be gone. That could be the way to go. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone for the many, many teams you sent in, that great uh, League of Ireland eleven. Uh, that we came up with last week. I actually came up with an addition to this that the team you leave out, you have to pick the manager from that team. So everyone gets like, you know, and you have to say, okay, the manager, 
you know, it could be like your last pick, but he still has to be fairly competent. Like, so Ollie Horgan, for argument's sake, could be the manager. And the best team in the league would be rubbish, according to Ollie. Like, you know, we're, we've no chance. It's an interesting addition to us. Uh, and next week, uh, wow, imagine if uh, Dundalk don't beat Bose and they're even further behind Cork. God knows what we're going to talk about next week. But I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this week's show. And uh, we might give you a few punches sound winners next week. Talk to you then.